0: And welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer I'm Matt Dwyer If you uh, like my theme music there That is a band called Les Blanks You check out more of their stuff at lesblanks.com If this is the first time you're listening to my show Thank you very much Um, It is just what the title implies there It's a conversation with me And uh, someone who's far more interesting And who's lived a big grand life And uh, I let them do most of the talking I do a little talking here at the top But for the most part, if it goes well I, um, I, I, uh, you know they do most of the talking and I do the smart thing and listen. Uh, and if you are listening for the first time and you're a fan of the dead milkman or Rodney anonymous, who is my guest today, which is, can I tell you it is, uh, it's a huge honor because the dead Milkmen were one of those bands that when I heard in, uh, in high school, I was like, Oh, we don't have to listen to the doors. Do we, there's vibrant fucking awesome music in the world. And it, it changed uh, it changed me a lot and uh, led me into a direction of discovering a lot of different music so uh, uh it's uh 15 year old me and 45 year old me is really thrilled to uh, listen to, to have Rodney Anonymous on the show and if if you're a first time listener and you're a fan of the Dead Milkman, uh you know you can go back I've I've talked to dudes like David Yao from the Jesus Lizard or Wayne Kramer from the MC5 who's actually coming back on the show in a couple of weeks so um you know, there's this, there's other episodes you might want to check out. Um, and I'm not going to do a lot of, I sometimes I talk about my life a little bit here at the top of the show. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm just so excited to get into this episode because it's really fucking great. Um, sadly, we had a saw go off. Uh, it, you know, that's the problem with podcasting. I don't have a big fancy studio. Actually, we do, but I don't, I, I'm lazy, so I record these for my house. Uh, so we had a, you know a couple, and and uh, Rodney had some cat wrangling at the top of the episode, but I, I choose to keep some of that in because it gives it the natural feel and like, hey, we're just a couple of guys uh, talking there. It is such a great honor to have Rodney and honors from the Dead and open. Let's listen.
1: So, um cat's like a thousand years old and we just moved in the neighborhood and the lady next door um uh, doesn't really, you know, stay or new her. So the cat's spray all over the neighborhood. so now she's smelling like male cat for the first time in like seventeen years. And she's all excited and she's up in the window and just kind of sniffing and yeah, so we've had to deal with her on this constant meow thing. What do you see there, cat? <laughs> oh man. So yeah, so we're we're exhausted because I mean like four AM she'll come in and start hitting in our faces and meowing, Ah. And she just doesn't sleep anymore. And I'm tired on top of and I've been going full tilt, so I'm tired on top of all of that. So I think I'm eventually I'm going to pass out.
0: That's uh Yeah, if you pass out in the middle of this, we can I'll just work around it.
1: <laughs> I'll do I've got my keyboard set, up, so I will go I will do like in the Dead Milkman Legend there was this and the original stories are this guy named Richard Nixon, who was the keyboard player. And shit, now what did I do? I just had my... I just, oh, here it is. I lost my Tim whistle from that. Um, and he passed out. He died while playing keyboards in the in the band. And so Joe would recreate these things. So there's a song, you know, old song did you know, when he was in high school. Where all of a sudden you hear this, like, on the keyboard. And it stays like that for the rest of the song. And that was Richard Nixon dying on the keyboard.
0: So this guy actually died during, like... What, like, no, no, no! Oh. It didn't exist
1: to begin with. Oh. No, no, no! no Joe, Joe made up the entire band. So, like, Joe created the need for the band first, and then he created the band, and that's how we got into it originally, or at least I did. We were just playing part. We we're just like you know, Joe had these newsletters. He's putting them back up on the uh, um, the web. It should be good. Had these newsletters, and it was about this band. Uh, called The Dead Milkmen it started out I think they were they were the Sunflower Children of God I actually went back and I made a Sunflower Children of God record and um, and just saw you fill it in and he, uh, now she had closed the door and now she wants out and then uh, um, they they became like a couple of different bands and at one point they were a band called The Milkmen and then by the time Punk rolled around they were called The Dead Milkmen but at one point during one of the incarnations they had this guy named Richard Nixon who was the it was called Richard Nixon because he's been high as a kite and he uh, um, he woke up, and he couldn't remember his name, so he took the first name he did. He got the first name he saw, and this being the 60s, you know, he saw the newspaper the name Richard Nixon. And that, so Joe would come up with these elaborate things, and, and we'd have to play along. <laughs> that was... <laughs> it was, was kind of odd, yeah. Well, the whole thing started, Joe used to create games, and it was a game between him and his friend Garth, and they would just make up bands and songs, and they would, like, roll dice, and they'd have, like, you know, fake money and stuff. And they would, it was like a game based on payola. And they would do this payola. They're basically songs up and down the chart. So, like, all Joe's songs had titles like Joe is so wonderful, Joe is a god, and stuff like that. And all Garth's songs were like, I hate Joe, Death to Joe. <laughs> and it was like the weirdest, like, and nothing odd about his childhood whatsoever, which is kind of strange. <laughs> so by the time I showed up, I was like 17 or so. This has been going on for a couple of years. Come on, cat! You either you're either in or out.
0: And that I don't, was... I don't want.
1: To...
0: You guys started the band pretty much in high school.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's pretty. It was. I think it was. Uh, I got a tape, like right after New Year's Day. I hold this tape New Year's Day, 1980. And, uh, um, and I was like, oh, I so want in on this. I was just completely insane. It was just, you know, it, it, it was total basement noise. You know, just people strumming away on things and and singing insane stuff. And I was like, oh, I got I have to be part of this. So I sort of forced my way in. I think I just showed up with my banjo. And I was like, okay, I'm in a band now. So, and that's how I got in.
0: Is that was, because I don't, like where I grew up and in high school, everyone still listening mm-hmm. to shitty stuff like The Doors and Led Zeppelin.
1: Oh, it was, it was terrible. That's why Joe started a band. Joe hated, Joe hated the stuff that was on the radio. So did I. Um, and I hated it. I think more than Joe, because Joe actually liked the Beatles. So I always hated the Beatles. I mean, I have a seething Richard Hell. is, like the only person other than myself I've ever come across that hates the Beatles as much as I do. That's well, yeah, it makes sense other than myself. And he, uh, um and it's weird because in rock and roll you can't say you hate the Beatles. And Richard Hell hates the Beatles. I hate the Beatles. I hated well, just about everything. I liked Motown growing up, and then that was off the radio, and then there was all this crap on the radio. And then I discovered like Cream Magazine. So I was reading about these bands I couldn't hear anywhere, which made me even angrier. So I was like, you know, like you could read about the Ramones, but you couldn't hear them on the radio. So that was kind of odd. That um, so I had these I had these thoughts of like what these bands would sound like if I could hear them. And that's pretty pleased when I finally got to hear them, because I was like, I actually think they sounded better than they would in my head. Well, no, for like the first I was like a Dead Boys fan for years without ever hearing them Uh, Same with the New York Dolls, I just liked the way they looked You know what I mean? It's just like these guys were just surly looking, you know messed up, giving the finger to the camera, particularly Frosty Motorhead I was young and I saw a picture of Motorhead I'm like, I don't know what these guys play I'd like to hang out with them They seem like they have their act pretty much together to me so that's, yeah, I, I You know, I judge bands by how they look. I still do to this day. Doesn't matter by how they look, and I'm usually right. <laughs> uh, but, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the band Angel Spit. I hope you are, but um, Zook from Angel Spit was, was basically talking about that. You know, he said, you know, a lot of bands, you can kind of judge them by how they look because at least they took the time to get a lot together, you know, to look good. Or at least to look frightening, or what You know, at least to be interesting. You know, get get dressed up. You know, make that effort. So that's just my. You know, but oh, now the cat's back. Cats can't make up your own damn mind here.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, that was a lot of. The- I don't know. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah.
1: No, I was going we be opening the door for her all night long, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, you know, eventually you get some practice in. So I got to. Well, I, I just got to shut the window, so then she won't be interested in, in coming in here, but. All right, now I'm going to open, I'm going to open the door for you. I'm just going to leave it a jar for her. So there we go. We let our cat have the uh, um, the one in the house. We always have. You know. I'm 50. I'm only on my like, third cat. I'm, I've been getting years and years out of a cat.
0: Yeah, yes, yeah, So my dog will be around for another 15 years. I, it'll be the it's, it's closest I'll get to probably having a child.
1: <laughs> yeah, same thing here. I had a turtle for like 25 years, box fox turtle. That was pretty cool, wasn't it? You know, you develop that relationship. So, so yeah, completely off topic there. But I can't remember what I was talking about. Probably just the fact that like now when I see a band, like I, I kind of was um, down, I was down in uh, Delaware uh, playing keys for Cosmic, and the opening band, uh, Death Machine, I and mean, they just went like fool out with their look. And they had like the, like, a, like a boiling cauldron on stage, it was like this big pot with dry ice in there. And everything. I was like, I totally respect this band. It's like I don't even have to hear them; they were good. I'm like, I, I just they, the work that they put into it. So,
0: yeah, you don't. I think they're opening.
1: I think they're opening for Comedy Christ too here in Philly, but I'm not quite sure. Double check that.
0: Yeah, because you said uh, in one of your interviews you said you would prefer to talk about other bands than your... your... I would.
1: I would always prefer to talk about other bands, yeah. I would. I always find other bands more interesting and then I always hope they'll talk about me. Um, But yeah, that's my job. I mean, it's only my job because um, the music press isn't doing their job. You know, the music press is telling you and, God, nothing nothing against somebody like St. Vincent, you know. Sure, she makes wonderful music. uh, But... You, you, you don't have to go out and look for her music. It's, it's there. It's kind of pushed on. Not pushed on you, but it's available. Um, you know, the bands I listen to aren't. And when I was younger, um, there, if you pick up a local free weekly, the really underground bands were written about. And that's not true anymore. So I feel that if there's this gap, I'm just going to fill it and I'm going to talk about other bands that people should know about, you know, but don't know about. I mean, it's nothing really shattered when I talk to other musicians. And I'm mentioning these bands, and they're looking at me, and, and I'm like, you're, you're a musician. Your job is to go out, and the underground music is music that won't, isn't presented to you easily. You have to go, and you have to look for it. That's my definition of the underground, something you have to look for. And, you know, so I, I keep thinking, unless somebody else does it, that's pretty interesting. Um, I'll mention to, uh, when I'll be doing an interview with, like, a free weekly or something, and I'll bring up all these bands, and when I see the interview, they're all sort of cut out. Like, they didn't want to write about them. I just think it's it's kind of odd and, and kind of creepy. What do but you th- it's, it's rock and roll Stalinism, which has been going on forever. <laughs> so. What do you think? Oh, no, that- really. Oh, no, I agree.
0: Because, like, when I discovered the Dead Milkman and stuff, that was like... Yeah. There was like... Because uh, I'm like, I think I'm five, years, I'm five years younger than you. But it was like mm-hmm. people would give mixtapes, and that's how I discovered punk rock. Up until then, I was listening to Garbage. But yep. there was like sort of a a movement of like, hey, let's share and let's discover, you know, once yeah. once you get in that circle. And it seems like it would, with the internet, shouldn't we have more of that? But it seems like it's...
1: Yeah, I'm absolutely amazed by that with Bandcamp, with Spotify. I tell people like, look, you should be able to listen to this. And all anybody my age wants to do is either listen to, you know, dad rock, if I could call it, you know. Oh, let's, you know, here's... Uh, you, I don't like to name any bands because I, I always say these bands, and I always feel bad later on. That they'll think I hate them, but there's you know there's this type of music I'm not interested in, like uh, um, or like Mumford and Sons, for example. Um, you know, and and that's an easy find. And people my age apparently like listen to it without thinking. You know, they're like, well, it's on the old person radio for you know people <laughs> that I, I, wow, um, for people that like to. Uh, um, it's like this is radio for people that like. The Meat Puppets and the Misfits and any band that began with an M or social distortions and and now I've gotten older and they're they're ready for Mumford. I'm so and it's also depressing to hear like twenty the stuff that people in their twenties are into, which is pretty much like easy listening. And I just want to shake them. I just want to like look here's here's an Eagle Lightness CD. Go home and listen to this, or you know here's here's some angel Spit or here's you know. Give them, give them some, some new you know like the, the laptop rappers like MC Lars or Adam Warrock or you know there's all this interesting stuff out there and it's just so being swept under the rug.
0: Now why, why do you think that why do you think that is happening?
1: Um, I have a lot of theories about it. I have, I have a whole lot one I think it's where the money is. Um, I think it's easier to produce it, it has been over the history of music at least from the mid to late 60s on it's been easier to sell people on music that doesn't rock the boat, sort of non-political, easy listening. And also, a lot of people who listen to this stuff, this generation is the most consumer-friendly generation. And these are the kids that line up, for idea community is lining up outside of the Apple store. So it, it's, you know, if you can take sort of nondescript music, and and when you ask them about it, like you say, do you really like this band? Well, I guess. I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, want to shake the hell out of them. I mean, I literally... I was in a soul of Jesus. Soul of Jesus was brilliant. But for some reason, I guess she'd gotten she gotten good right up in um oh, oh Pitchfork, which is the death of music. Pitchfork's like a thousand that. times. <laughs> it, so they're a thousand times worse than Rolling Stone ever was. Uh there it's just it's just a terrible, terrible and it's all geared at again selling the most sort of mundane, you know. But they had said nice like, stuff about Soul of Jesus. So of course these people turned it out, like, oh, Pitchfork likes her, we're gonna turn out. And I like got all standing against the wall, like, acting too cool. And I just thought, wow, this is, this is such, like, a non-movement, you know? It's just such, it, it, it's such a, I will buy into, well, I guess, I don't know, sort of apathy. And I thought, God, you know, I miss, I miss punk rock. At least we all be on the floor beating the hell out of each other. <laughs> I was talking about that. My wife and I were talking about the fact that we have whole sections of this town that were built for hipsters now. And when we were, when punk rock was around, they would tear down the parts of town just to keep us out. Like, oh yeah, we, you know, we see some mohawks. Let's, let's level these buildings. So I think uh, my actual thought is that it's something that is really, really middle of the road, easy to control. It, it, it's almost like selling the carpenters to people. <laughs> and and it's completely non-sexual. It is, it is the most asexual music on the face of the earth. Uh, you know, all the girls, you know, are photographed with big, thick glasses and, and a giant sweater. And, you know, it, it, it's absolutely... If they saw Amelia Arsenic, they would just probably explode. But um, I'm just... Or Shakini, you know, I'm, I'm just fascinated by, like... And and all these all these bands all think about, like, how great it would be to be kids again. And I think like, I never, ever wanted to be a child when, when I was a kid. You know, I, and now I'm older. I don't look back on childhood fondly. So it's it's absolutely... It's as if Twee took over. There was a revolution while I was asleep. I woke <laughs> up, and everybody everybody was listening to twee. So it's And Twee is like the, the music I hate the most. I hate that. I'm so sad. Won't you help me look at my shoes? God. Like, you know, and, and, and you compare that uh, to something. I like to quote Angel Spit a lot. And you compare that to something like, you know, my friends used to show off their cats. Now they talk about filling their bank vaults. You know, mellow is a new fad. Your life, you know, um, your life is shit and it's all your fault. It's just absolutely amazing. You know, it's, it's, it's you know, here are these, or you got songs like Cubicle. Or, you know, just these, there's all this great angry music or cosmic's uh, Hands Up, It's a Raid uh, was one of my favorite songs come out last year. I just I couldn't get that out of my head. And that's such a great revolutionary song. It's just, you know, there's all this, there's all this fight music out there and it just never seems to make its way to the radio.
0: You know, you brought up two things that grabbed my interest is, one, you said stuff about politics because you don't, and even, I don't even see it in like sort of um, a lot of, I live in Los Angeles, a lot of underground bands. You don't see anybody being political or anger is another thing. It's like, it's like if you, if you're too aggressive on stage here, people react or passionately, passionate even, people really have a adverse reaction to it.
1: I am absolutely amazed by that. I'm amazed. I still have this reasoning about like, Again, you know the great stuff I like is you know they like say the Angels Pit stuff, which is real. Uh, there's most underground music I listen to is really political and it's really fast and hard and you know and, and and just pumping and and I listen to a great variety of what I call underground music, but I notice that the, the, what they call alternative is just so apolitical and just so you know again it's all I wish we were kids again you know and it's devoid of any political content, which I think is why it's easy for them to sell it. In other words, if you had people out there demanding higher wages for workers and stuff, they have a tough time putting that on the air. <laughs> it's like, you know, music that doesn't rock the airwaves, you know, and just, you know, music that doesn't rock non confrontational music. And I was at a I was at a club. We actually used it for a title for a song and it inspired me. I was at a club and I was talking to a, a friend of mine and her boyfriend and he actually he said the term and we used it as a song title. I used it, so it was pretty music for pretty people. Which is what it is. It's, it's it's you know here. Don't you know you're non-confrontational here. Enjoy this music and it's just you know one guy. You know aren't they quirky? They're from Brooklyn. He plays the spoons. She plays the mandolin. Oh God, it's just you know. And I hate to be like one of those people like goddamn kids today, but goddamn kids today.
0: I couldn't Uh-oh. disagree more. <laughs> do you but do you think this yeah. is also a sy- symptom of our culture on a higher level? Because I, I I heard you say something about uh, you attacked. Um, uh, child beauty pageant, you said it's an easy target, but it should still remain a target nonetheless. And I was like...
1: It should still remain a target? Yeah, why aren't people singing about this? You no, know, I, I wonder, and first of all, I was, I, I actually brought it up because it was a great short story by Harlan Ellison, who was <laughs> such, <laughs> such an influence on the from an anger perspective. <laughs> like, Harlan Ellison never had, like, a really cheery, cheerful day. I think he enjoyed himself, but there's, but there was a short story I was reading when I was coming up with the, the lines for that. Um, was, I'd forgotten all about it, and I found it again in the library, and it was in, like, the reference section, so you had to take it out, and, but photocopied it, so I sent it also to my mother, who enjoyed these things, and the, uh, um, it's called Our Little Miss, and it is such a great read. You know, and it, it's a great read because it's angry, he, he takes his anger and he channels it. And he basically says, you know, how could, at this point in time, the Vietnam War is going on. And he's watching this child beauty pageant on the station in the South. And he's just getting angrier and angrier. And he's like, don't these people know there's a war going on? How could this stupid shit be important to them? And I just thought, it's kind of weird. It's There's like no more anger in everything. It's like it's not okay to be angry anymore. And I'm angry all the time. And I wonder, like, how people... Wake up in the morning and take a look around and don't get angry. I'm absolutely fascinated by the whole thing.
0: Uh, yeah, it's it's somebody was sawing outside my apartment. I was like, oh, please don't. Yeah, end it up.
1: was awesome. I heard that weird. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was almost like two little throat thing. I wish I could sample that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was.
0: I, I hope it's a serial killer chopping up a body. It's like, there you go. That's That'd what I fantasize. Yeah. Some...
1: It, it sounded to me. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to all. Oh, it, oh, it sounded to me almost like like some sort of high two like yeah 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 yeah. I was like, wow, that's killer, man. But, uh, yeah, but well, that's my theory. I can't understand why people aren't angry. And I refer, I refer to Harlan Ellison a lot. <laughs> I'm like, uh, just, I'm just often amazed. And, and again, I go into in the, in his mode. You know, I, I'm not mad that, like, my band isn't famous. I'm okay with that. I'm mad that my friends aren't famous. I mean, I got friends that are making great music. That should be out there. That should be, you know, there should be household words. And they're not. And I keep thinking, what, what's keeping them from that? And all I keep thinking is, oh, yeah, that's right. They're rocking the boat.
0: <laughs> Do you think that's stuff that will get, uh, I don't know, appreciated later? Because it's...
1: Oh, it always... It's so, it's so sad. that's another thing that makes me angry. Everybody now who says that they were in the black flag in 1980 wasn't. They were all under the DBs and REM. Nothing against REM. I didn't like the DBs. But, you know, they were... They were in. I like the alarm. They remember the, like the alarm. The sort of, and then, we, and this is what I talk about: uh, rock and roll Stalinism. The history gets rewritten. So the history gets rewritten to say, uh, will get rewritten to say. In this instance, oh, in 1983, everybody was listening to Black Flag. But if you went to a Black Flag show, there were like 60 people there. When they rewrite it again in 20 years, it like oh, everybody was at that Ivar and Spear show. Everybody was there for Ludovico Technique, everybody. And, and that, that's the way it will happen. You know, I, I have a theory that, you know, Amanda Palmer will get her, her you know, recognition like 20 years down the road because that's just the way life is. It's just, you know, it's, it's everybody will pretend, oh, yeah, we, we totally had, we were totally with you there, totally, you know, totally writing about you and had your back. And I think anybody who's angry and, and political um, at this point is really shuffled off. And, and there's a whole mechanism there. I mean, you're not going to play the big clubs. You're not going to get written about. You're not going to, you know, it, it's absolutely, you're so shut outside. Kossig has that great line, which is uh, the other day when he's tweeting out, said, knock, knock, who's there? Industrial musician. Industrial musician who? Exactly. So I thought <laughs> that was, <laughs> he's, he's got that great, he's intense sense of humor. So, you know. Um, I'm supposed to be finishing a song for him. I got to do all oh God, I'm so far behind on shit. So, you know, I've got to... Um, at some point, i got to get around to practicing tonight by myself. And then we have practice tomorrow with the band. Uh, I didn't get a chance I, I, on Sunday. Again, This is Zoom from Angels that got me doing this. Here's a thing called church, which is on Sundays you uh, set up and you tell your friends you can't bother me. And you... Or, well, it doesn't have to be Sunday. Just any... At one point during the week for a couple of hours, you just do... You sit by yourself, no social media, and you work on your music. You make yourself a cup of tea. If you have some sort of lighting that you like, you set it up, you do it. But you just get yourself in that environment. And uh, because we've been working on the record and because my wife and I moved, uh, and then I DJ'd a uh, week before last, and then this Saturday a friend needed me for a photo shoot, I've, had, I've not had a free weekend. And I won't get a free weekend again now until like, the middle of April. But I haven't had only really a free weekend at church. And I
0: really miss church. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, thing to do because people people don't – I think that's also part of the problem with relating back to some of the other stuff we are talking about, people. But nobody takes any time to reflect anymore. Like nobody sh- shuts down all their bullshit and says, all right, I'm going to sit in a room and you know focus on yeah, one thing. It, it, well, it,
1: it's also – it's a work ethic thing. I have, I have a strong band work ethic. And other words, I will practice. I will write. I will say, "Okay, I have got to do this by this point." The problem is, I also have a radio show. Uh, I DJ places, so it, it all begins to kind of cram together. And my wife was predicting this. She's like, "You're going to totally burn out at some point soon." So thank God the um, the the paper I, I used to write for seems to have dropped me <laughs> because that gives me that gives me less money, but it gives me some a little bit more free time. So. Maybe somebody else will hire me, pick me up, and, and do that. Who knows? But uh, um, it was getting kind of boring anyway. So I can't say boring. I did enjoy it, but, you know, it was, you can only write about the same sort of stuff for so many years. I think I've been doing it for like five or six years. So.
0: And was that more of a like a political?
1: Uh... No, it was, it was a thing called Aid or Invade. It was a um, – I listened to music from different countries, and based on whether or not I liked it, I'd say Aid or Invade. That was the only rating system. I thought that was – you know, like thumbs up or thumbs down. There's no in between, and I thought that was that was a great way to rate things. <laughs> so I was like, you know, if I liked it, it was aid. If I didn't like it, it was invade. Um, and it was cool because I got to use it to kind of check out. And I think one of the last things they got to tell people about was the Crystal System record, uh, which is freaking amazing. And so, and you talk about now you talk about a fast, angry, political, brand new, exciting record. Crystal System's Rage is, it's amazing, and people would love it if they heard it. The problem is you're not allowed to hear it. It's not like you can't hear it. You're not allowed to. There are, everybody is basically in the way of, I'm almost like a crazy old conspiracy theorist, but every, there's there's all these hurdles that you have to go through to hear this Crystal System record, and it's it's a great record. People should hear it. Uh, there's all this stuff that was released. I always put out my list of, my top 20 list, and then Page relationship would always put out theirs and theirs was basically just pitchforks copied over. But then again, NPRs was just pitchforks copied over. Uh, Rolling Stone was just pitchforks list co- And I'm thinking oh, the you know, these people can't all really like this music. They can't like every they all can't like everything here. Something's written. And I also wonder why do they never seem to hear any of the music that's on my list? And and am I actually reaching anybody? It's like it's really depressing, so I'm drinking a lot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, where do you where do you find like where do you find your stuff? Like where where are people going oh. wrong if they're not finding music?
1: And what you want to do is you want to find. First of all, uh, there, that's a good question. There are a couple of great websites. I die, you die is a fantastic website uh, for and and covers a you know a, a wide range of underground music. Uh, one called Intervenus Magazine. I tend to do it that way, but also right now you know you have things that, you know. If you're doing it on Spotify, it says, "Hey, if you like this, you might like this uh I don't think that's i forget i I guess that's how I stumbled. I am actually one of my favorite bands. I don't think I stumbled upon them that way. I can't remember but if you but if you go and you and you pull up a couple bands, I say now the system it's it's like a uh, 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 footnote how and footnotes used to lead you to you know to another book, and there be a footnote in that book that would lead you to another book and that's like the cool thing about stuff like Spotify. You get these little things like, hey, if you like this, you'll like this. Oftentimes, it's wrong. I never like Pandora because Pandora would totally get stuff wrong. Like, hey, if you like the Dead, if you like that milkman, you'll like. And there'll be some band I really, really hate. You know? And I'd be like, no, make them stop, make them stop. So, um, but it's it's been fairly close. But I I just generally that's why I have to go around telling people. I say, hey. If you like this Crystal System record, you'll like this IMX record. If you like that, you'll like i Sphere. If you like i Sphere, you're really going to like the new um, Surveillance, which is, uh, and if you like Surveillance, you'll definitely like Assemblage 23 because it's the, uh, um, i here from Assemblage 23, has done Surveillance. And also the great thing is now live bands are so intermingled, I can't even tell who's done what anymore. <laughs> like where one band begins and another band ends. I have like a chart that's all flowy like that and try to try to just establish like how one person goes in, into another. Actually, speaking on a panel on Twisted World, I think about this, about how it, it's kind of hard to tell. You know, there's these big tendrils that go out there and, and, and you know, one band works with this person who also works with this person who works. My friend N.C. Lawrence, Lawrence has a gentleman uh, who plays guitar for him and he sent me out a thing and it was a great record, really good record that he did. And I was like, "Oh, the cover school cool too." He's like, "Yeah, it's this guy Steve Archer, you know?" I'm like, "Yeah, I know. He's I an ego likeness. He's my good friend. So it's just this really weird uh, point where where people just seem to keep meeting and it becomes this wonderful web of coincidence. That's what I think. That's why I think we're all going to win, maybe, <laughs> because now we're all kind of it's like one big monster they can't kill. Well, they can get one or two of us, but they can't <laughs> get the whole the whole organism. It's like an octopus. Oh, they can get a tentacle or two. But they're never I mean, I'm saying, you know, like that's the thing is, is the other the sort of created mall bands or, you know, alternative bands are they're um you know, you, you probably take them out out, you know, boom, one, they, they can't replace it. It doesn't grow back. But we'll you know. If I if I if I end if the milkman fire me tomorrow, I could probably go into another band. So <laughs> I'd probably do it for my house. Oh.
0: Now, what do you think of like a lot of the bands? Because we were both uh, actually at the... I played FYF, the festival in Los Angeles, a couple of years when you guys did as well. Mm-hmm. And, and a, a lot of that sort of... I guess it's not mainstream, but it's not... And forgive the... <laughs> I guess it's not fully oh, no, underground. It's
1: pretty fucking mainstream. Yeah, no, it's not even underground. There were a lot of bands I liked that were there. I liked um, Olivia Tremble Control. Dan Deacon, who was actually you know, really taken off. He's played in a lot of places. I like his work a lot. Um, cults I thought were good it's just that when I look at these festivals, I think something's missing here you know, and then I think, well, what is it and obviously it's the underground band you know when i'm when I'm looking at these festivals um there's like a thousand bands that i like where where the heck are um where the heck areslit like, strip mall architecture you know, why 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 aren't they on the bill? um you know it's um I'm sit here and go down the list. Boom, boom, boom. Where are Grendel? You know, where you know where where are these bands that did very interesting things, uh, but I guess are, are too dark and electronic or who knows what? And they have their own festival. I mean, obviously there's Kinetic, which I'd love to go to. I'd never gotten a chance to, and that's coming up in May. And uh, um, I just come up in Vancouver. They used to have Summer Darkness, but I mean, here's the thing. You know, take a band like DMV Nation. Which is pretty well known. They're not the most radical band, but I, I and I know a lot of people didn't like the new record. Um, I, I thought it was okay. I didn't think it lived up. But you know, why can't you put like D&D Nation on that bill? People will turn out to see them. They sell out places. They and and, and here's a band. That's another thing. Here's a band that sells out places that you're not allowed to know about. You're not allowed to know about BMV Nation. It's for some reason, again, it's full electronic and there's some political stuff in there. And, uh, you know, the kids. And, and maybe because, I don't know, it's because the singer from BMV Nation looks like me. He's middle aged, he's bald, he's heavy set. You know, maybe that's it. I don't know. But he doesn't stop moving. I'll give him that. I'm just, I'm I'm absolutely, I've stolen so much from him. Um, I'm absolutely fascinated by, by like, what now, like what we're not allowed to listen to. And, I, and these guys aren't trying not to be listened to. And if you go over to Europe, they're playing, you know, festivals and, you know, big stadium things with thousands of people. And they come over to the States, yeah, I mean, they get, you know, 2,000 or whatever, but still a good chunk of books. I think if you had them, there should be on the bill, on a bill, you know, some, some representation of the underground. Nothing against, you know, the sort of uh, um, what they call alternative bands and, and all that. But I think that there's just. You know, and, and a lot of people, here's a punk rock band, though. I said, well, what's the point of that? <laughs> um, you know, it's, to me, like, punk rock band, like, modern punk rock bands are, like, seeing somebody churning butter. You know, it's like, well, okay. <laughs> you know, like, a historical reenactor. I, people always yell at me for playing, you know, synths and stuff. I'm like, well, I moved on. I gotta, you know, I can't keep doing the same thing over and over. So, that's just my take on
0: that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's interesting because like, uh, the, the Dead Milkman took a, uh, would it take I guess you took a 16-year break and then, and your music, yeah. the new music that I've heard uh, and which I love, but it's, it is, you get the Dead Milkman but then you get some new, like, you know, there's shit that's different yeah, about
1: it. You, you couldn't expect us this to, this, this, because, uh, you know, like, uh, I at least, you know, started listening to new stuff. I mean, it's, uh you know, I, I never trust anybody. That when you go to their house, their record collection stopped the day they turned thirty. And you know, they have everything, and that's what they listen to. It, like that's absolutely horrifying. I just kept listening to music, and and it. it and so the other guys, it just kind of became a pervasive thing. Yeah, we didn't want to make the same record. I think a lot of people were kind of disappointed. My, my, I actually think we could have made that last record a whole lot better. My wife, however, loved it. Oh, I have that one for me. My wife's like, "That's the best Dead opening record. It's just so sparse and dark and angry." And I'm like, wow, okay, fine," which it is. But I, I, so I look back on, it, I think, "Oh, we could have okay, tweaked this, or done that, or do this." So I'm, that's the way we've been in the studio lately. I'm like, you know, okay, well, you know, when we write, you know, say, okay, I want to chop this here, and we'll put this here, and we'll move this here, and he can just sent out some bells that he wants to add uh, to one of our songs that we're doing now. I'm like, "Oh, that's good. I always like bells." So I have some, some violin and cello in it. So it's uh, um, it's not like a Rasputina song, So it's uh, um, which is interesting because we have Melora Says on the list. That was another great thing. The last record had like a song about Melora Krieger, which I'm amazed that like nobody else has ever thought to write one. She's amazing. She's brilliant. She's, you know, a, a musical pioneer. But uh, nobody says, I think, you're, you know, if you're going to do that, you know, you should mention every now and then just throw out a hero for people to have. I'm hoping people went out, if they weren't familiar with Rasputina, went out and bought some Rasputina records because of that. So, find out. <laughs> I never heard from Melora on the subject. I don't know. I didn't know that our manager <laughs> wanted I wanted Rasputina to open for us, which is really weird because we should be opening for them, obviously. But I thought it would be nice to play. Well, we co built it, you know. And uh, um, I thought it would be great. And our manager um, offered them $300. I don't think he understood who they were. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. I was like, no. So I wouldn't be able to show my face around Rasputina right now anyway, I guess. So
0: are, are they a Philly
1: that. band? No, 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 no. They're from, uh, from New York. Okay. Uh, I saw. I have one of the best. I've seen them sometimes live. Had one of the best Halloweens ever where they were playing at one uh, of the Dracula's balls. And my wife couldn't make it. I went because I just uh, – I had a team. I was you know, uh, managing a whole team at work at that time. had a lot of people – they tried to lay some of them off. I fought for them and they, they didn't. So I'm, I'm feeling so good. And it's Halloween. So I'm, I think I was wearing my devil horns here to my head at work. And, um, I was like, oh, that's it. I'm going out tonight. And I was so tired. I said, okay, well, I'm going to go see Rasputina. And so I went and they wouldn't say where, uh, they were playing, which is kind of a clever thing to do. So everybody's going around. So I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's packed, you know, in Dracula's ball. You can barely move. And was a, I went up in this par area because it's 21, so there's a little more breathing space. And just as I got up in there, the lights went on, and I was like three feet away from Rasputina. And they played this incredible show. And I was just like, oh, probably, I know, I'm always, always having a tough time like ordering out the best shows I've ever seen. But that was easily, I'm going to say, easily in go to the top 20. And I said, like, whoa, this is a, a great night. Uh, and then I was in a, um, I was headed home, and I got hit. I was in a cab that got hit by another cab. Just T-boned a little. And I was like, okay, that's it. I'm just going to walk home the rest of the way. So I remember that night pretty clearly. Those are the great magical nights when you go see a band, and they're, they're awesome. And that happens a lot, actually, especially.
0: Yeah, it's, I, I wish it happened. <laughs> I mean, in Los Angeles it doesn't happen as much. I mean, once in a while really? they will be a, well, I mean a lot what if I go see a lot of the newer bands, I feel like it's a lot of uh yeah, like you're what,
1: playing Bar Sinister. Yeah, I was gonna say usually a lot of my friends was at Bar Sinister, which I've never gotten to go to. Um, but they uh, um I imagine you get like a couple of good good wild nights there. So <laughs> like, I just saw I saw. I saw um, back in over the summer. It actually melted my my cowboy hat. Um, I saw Ego Likeness open up for uh, Leather Strip. The Leather Strip were incredible. Not, take nothing away from Leather Strip; they were amazing. But Ego Likeness had hit this show where everything was perfect. It was just absolutely spot. It was it was at, it was just really cool to be there. And I was just like, whoa! This is and they knew it. It was like they 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 came off stage and they were just glowing and. You know, they they really enjoyed it. And I I was telling them, I was like, you know, a lot of people are afraid to get a big head. But give yourself, if you do a good job on stage, just give yourself a minute to say, yeah, I did a good job. You know, don't, don't try to say, well, you know, I did the best I could. No, say, well, I did really good right there. So I always tell bands that when I see them. I'm like, you know, you killed it. And uh, I did um a band I really called um, Angels on Acid. And we had gone to see Tactical Sect, and they were opening up for Tactical Sect. I knew nothing about them. And I knew I'd missed them play here in Philly at a record store uh, once before. To the big rainstorm, and I didn't go. Always go, is the rainstorm. Go, and uh, um, I was like absolutely blown away by them. another great show. I was anymore. I stumble on these great shows like, oh, that's really good. So, yeah, it, I haven't seen a terrible band in a while.
0: I mean, I haven't seen horrible bands. I just something that's like visceral and you know. Like what I saw when the Jesus Lizard did a reunion tour, I went and saw. Oh, yeah. I went and saw them, and I was like, "If the twenty-something-year-olds in L.A. could see this fucking band, like how aggressive they were, they'd either like that's." I was like, "That's how you should be playing, not like that." Like you were saying yeah. earlier, the the shoe-gazing. Yeah, I saw Scratch
1: Acid, which you know was the was the first incarnation of Jesus Lizard, and I, I saw them giddy me on one side of me and Daniel Johnson on the other. And I don't think my brain has ever really come back from that experience. Wow. <laughs> yeah, they were, I would say Scratch After were probably, and I've seen like, you know, like Black Sabbath, you know, bands like that. I'd say, I'd say they were probably the loudest band I've ever seen. And they were absolutely, they, they were, and they were really good. But they were just jaw-dropping loud. I was like, wow, this is really, you know, this is this is really good. It's good and loud. you are going to play Play loud. That's what I tell people. No, <laughs> no, you don't. Know, don't be ashamed of what you're playing. Play loudly. I don't say play loud; I say play
0: loudly. I use an adverb. I, I appreciate that. Now, yeah. do, do people look at like at Dead Milkman? It's cause, do they look at that? Because I somebody referred to it as uh, a lot of political satire. in one of the things I was reading, yeah. and I, it's interesting. Do you consider it politically satirical?
1: Oh yeah. That's my job. I'm, a satir- I'm not a musician. You know, I play instruments and stuff, but uh, so that's why I'm band. Is a musician? I'm a satirist. I'm, you know, my job is to, is to make fun of stuff or to, you know, to, to do the best I, I can at, at defusing things. If you, if you mock something, you take the power away from it. And, you know, if you had a pretty bad childhood, you grew up in a steel town, you're not, you know, you're, you're, you're you can either get, there's two ways you can handle it. One is you can get up and say, oh, I ate everybody, I hate everybody, which is kind of cool. You Know, smash the steel town, but it, it, it's, or you can, you know, write a song that kind of makes fun of the steel town. And that's, you know, I'm really enjoying breathing in these fumes, or I am Iron Man because I've been breathing in, you know, iron filings and fumes for my life. And, and it, it's, uh, um, there's two ways to handle it. That's just kind of the way I handle it. I'm not so much interested in, although I did do a lot of political writing on the new record, but I'm, I'm, I'm. Every now and then, get, I get away from it. And I'm just more interested in just basic songwriting. But every song is political, if you think about it. You know, Don't Worry, Be Happy is political. It's just it's the scary kind of politics. <laughs> misunderstood. But, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's uh, um, you know, everything is... People say, oh, why does music have to be political? Why can't music just be music? Everything, you know, why World War II? Why can't it just be about the tanks? You know, it's... <laughs> everything... Everything is is looped in with everything else, so it's it. You know, it, it, you can't you can't just separate You can't say, "Oh, you know, I always was weirded out by that." People uh, complain about that band. So, well, to me, music is just music. I'm like, well, you don't get out much, do you? Or you don't really you're not good at making <laughs> connections there, are you? <laughs> it's yeah.
0: it's interesting because uh, I was you know you were saying that uh, when the Dead Milkman came out, uh, people hated you guys because you weren't serious. Oh yeah. And, oh, yeah. But to me, it's like, it's really, it's it's more brilliant that there's an element of fun, and yet you guys were fucking super political, like Right Wing Pigeon and songs like that. And it's like, how did, yeah. how did people fucking miss the irony at the time?
1: I don't know. It always amused Joe. Joe was always fascinated. They like, like Joe, that's really funny. <laughs> I'm like ah, they don't, they don't get us, and that, that would make him happy. I don't know. I just remember people yelling at us because... Originally, punk rock was just people not having fun. Not originally. It was when we came into it in the early 80s, it, it was people growling at you. It was like, uh, you know, it's futile being alive. I can't wait till I die. I was like, well, nobody really wants to sign up for this. <laughs> and we just began. We were just doing what we can. And we had been influenced by stuff like the Dickies and the Ramones. And so we're, we're fun bands out there. Again, the, I, I compared it to stuff like Caustic or the Sickles, or, you know, Underground music's taking that turn again towards the fun, and that's that's kind of cool. Uh, I really, I, you know, I, I enjoy fun bands. I enjoy like like I, I really like. There's a lot of really dark, angry bands that I like. Don't give me I love them. But every you now and then, I love to go out and I see something just playing goofy for the sake of being goofy, or fun for the sake of being fun, or just you know, something that's this. You know, um, I always point out MC Lars is like my most positive friend. And and he does, you know, what he does is just so, it's hilarious to see him out there going, like, joyous smiles, everybody. It's so subversive in its way. And he and he has great political songs. He has, you know, has very sad songs. He has a song, 23, about a uh, friend of his committed suicide, which is a heartbreaking song. Uh, so it's the the even, even B&B, when you go see B&B, they're making fun of themselves. You know, they're, you know, Ronan's jumping around the stage, you know, basically saying, look, you know, um, if you don't know the words, that's okay. I don't know them either. You know, so the odds of getting them right, I just, I just love that. I just, I, you know, I think that there's apparently underground music gets serious every now and then, and then somebody just comes along, and blows the piss out. Of it. I don't think like the the like, Velvet you know, Underground. I don't think took themselves too seriously. I think they definitely had essentially people. I think mistake the idea that they were all you know gloomy and stuff. But I think they 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 kind of got how, how strange their lives were.
0: So. Yeah, it's interesting. A friend of mine, who, who actually I interviewed as well, was telling me that what people don't realize about like Lou Reed is he was actually super neurotic. He wasn't like this laid back. Oh yeah, he was like he was like he he, he described him as like he was almost Woody Allen-esque, where he was like, should I do this and should I do? This? Like, I do he wasn't like Johnny and then, Cool.
1: And he, you know, there's, there's that great thing where um, oh was it Lester Banks, again? I must have been Lester Banks, ran into him like London. And and he's asking Lou these questions. And Lou was just being this wonderful, smart-ass Lou Reed. When Lou Reed was I, – at I, first, I didn't get The Velvet Underground. I was like, like a latecomer to The Velvet Underground. And I didn't like them at first because, again, there was a lot of bands I didn't like because the people who were into them were just turds. And, and that's how a lot of turds were into The Velvet Underground. And um, I remember I was reading a book about them. And I was reading about how – well, first book, Eric, The what they were in – when I was younger, I read Edie, the book about A Schedule. That's probably in, like, junior high. And my mom read it, and I, I read it. And, uh, you know, so the was were there. So I had an idea who they were, and sort of an idea of their music. But I knew a lot of, you know, a lot of the kids in school that, that were just kind of jerks like them. So I kind of—it's the same way I can for the Smith. Like, I really like the Smith now, but, like you know, the early Smith fans were intolerable. And so, the um. The Velvet Underground. I was reading this book about them, and I found out Lou Reed had been kicked out of the um, ROTC for holding for, for I think for wearing com- wearing a, um, a German helmet, and also for holding a pistol up to his commanding officer's head. <laughs> 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 like he just wanted to hang out with Lou Reed. I was when we were at the Andy Warhol Museum in Pittsburgh right after Lou Reed died. I remember, like, while I was on my way out. I remember they had this movie screen with like Lou Reed's screen test on it. It was this giant loop of Lou Reed, and I was just like, "It's so, so sad that you know he's gone." Because I, I was, I was one of the people I would have loved to have met. I know he would have probably killed me. A friend of mine met him uh, was was uh, uh, tour managing for Laurie Anderson, who he was married to, and he got to canoe with them in the Everglades. And I was telling my friend, "Like, did you did you get photos or anything?" It's- no, it was just so surreal. Like, your mind can't process. <laughs> that you're in, you know, with Lou and Laurie Anderson. And I just like, it just made me, like, you know, as if it were possible to like him even more, and maybe like Lou books. even more because, you, you know, okay, I want to go canoeing now. You know, I want to go out and do this. And it was like yeah. I read, um, I'm a huge Patty Smith fan, and I read Just Kids And, you know, you you just love Patti even more. because just you really, you get her, you know, you kind of see where she was coming from even more. That's a great read. So, I rarely read rock and roll books, but every now and then I will, and I'm like, oh wow, this is, you know, makes you want to play more. So, In its some right way, well, I read a review of Richard Hell's. I was a very clean tramp. That was that was a bizarre, bizarre read. <laughs> so I mean, I can't I can't even begin to give you the details on how odd Richard Hell is.
0: Uh, what kind of books do you tend to read?
1: Um, I tend to be like a nonfiction reader. Um, so, um, I've actually been unpacking stuff here. Um, I, I, God, I usually, I try to read at least a book a month, a book a month club, sometimes two or three more. i am actually, I'm a pretty diverse reader. I was just giving away a whole bunch of them because we moved and I hate to have, unless it's signed, I think you should give it away. And I, I had about a thousand books. Well, a book just sitting on the shelf isn't doing its job. Remember I loan a book to somebody and they bring it back. I'm like, kind of saddened. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I think you're just supposed to hang on to it and give it to somebody else. But I have, a, um, I have a whole bunch of slime books that I would never part with. And actually, I was just kind of unpacking some of them tonight. And so, oh, yeah, but I'm like, of my 1,000 books. I'm going to say, I'm going to give about 500 of them. There are certain things people have given me that I don't want to part with. And like I said, I mean, I have, I have signed stuff that's not ever leaving, you know, <laughs> doesn't leave my sight. <laughs> I, think I, I think I hung on to the boxes when we were moving. Who do Don't touch the,
0: Who are some of the signed yes. books?
1: Uh, Donna Tart. I have Donna Tart. I have a little friend and a uh, um, a Secret History. I have uh, Patrick McGraw's Asylum, uh, signed by Patrick. Uh, I have uh, oh, I have Camille Paglia's Central Personae. I have Umberto Eco's Foucault's Pendulum, signed by Echo. I have a couple of signed Christopher Hitchens. I have a lot of signed books.
0: Oh wow!
1: Uh, yeah, I have a lot of. I, I I'm, I'm lucky. I live in a city with a big library that has um, people come by. So just, yeah, just getting the uh, um, the the poly up because she's so intimidating, and you, you know, it's like approaching a shark, it's like a shark petting zoo. <laughs> 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 like, put the book down on the table. Step back, you know, behind the line. Don't say anything. Because, you know, I'm so afraid that she's just going to cut me in two. Um, When I went to see, when I went to get the the last thing I had signed by Christopher Hitchens, um, the place was just packed. And they say, okay, then read the instructions. If you want Mr. Hitchens to sign your book, get in line here. And most people aren't good at following instructions, so I get in line. I I know what to do. But even though I'm upstairs in this packed thing, I still get in the right spot. So I'm like the fourth person in line. So we're going through and this, you know, Christopher Hitchens is signing everything, and I, I feel I have to say something to him. So I just tell him that I'm starting that his peace in vanity fair about the difference between women's sense of humor and men's sense of humor was misunderstood. Hitchens stops the line and starts talking to me. And I realize I'm having this conversation with Christopher Hitchens, that's gone on for about ten minutes. And I begin to realize that the people who are waiting behind me are not happy. <laughs> I'm holding up the line, so I did like the impossible, and I said, you know, thinking, "Oh, Christopher Hitchens will be around forever." I, you know, thanked him very much, and I said, you know, these people are waiting, and 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 moved on. But it was it was a really good conversation about you know how he was completely misunderstood in that article. Men and women do have sort of different senses of humor, and. You know, he and, and in that piece he pointed out one of my favorite things, which is the comic of the man sitting in the doctor's office, and the doctor says, "There's no cure. There's not even a race for the cure." And it was like, and, and Hitchens said, "Now, imagine if you put a woman there waiting in the doctor's office. It's not as funny." And it's you know, it was this very interesting piece about the difference between senses of humor. It was misunderstood. People thought that women aren't as funny as men. You know, they they totally misunderstood it. And it's it's kind of a sad thing. I don't think Hitchens scared.
0: <laughs> no, I, I... I you
1: know Hitchens seemed to be happy. People are angry, and I remember, I remember that, and there, was a, there was a piece. This is so sad on Slate. Like, this is what I told it, and and I said you know you have to say there's a piece on Slate. It was supposed to be like a rebuttal to your piece, and you know, I was sort of telling him, and I said, and get it, they had to have a correction because the woman who wrote it had screwed up the punchline to some joke she told in it. And <laughs> I, like, I was like, that kind of, it kind of defeats the purpose. But yeah, it was, that was a really, it was one of those, it, you get those great moments where, like, you're meeting, a lot of my heroes are sort of literary heroes. I get to meet people, uh, musicians, but I, I rarely, there aren't a lot of um, musicians left alive that I grew up listening to. There are a lot of musicians now that I'm a big fan of, that I get to meet and that's cool and I'm you know really honored to meet them and hang out with them and some of them become friends and then that's that's awesome but um, you know and in the presence of like you know people who have written books I am just floored I am I cannot speak and I'm I'm often like really really scared so I just go through and like boom 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 and uh, um, you yeah. so know in Humberto Echo that was that was another one where you don't want to, you don't want the same thing Humberto Echo just get the book signed and move <laughs> on just. I saw some guy, you're talking, because I have Foucault's Pendulum, and this guy, you know, guy, beyond getting a sign, right? And the guy next to me says, could you give me like an outline of Foucault's Pendulum? And I'm working up and goes, why would I do that? Why wouldn't I just write an outline? Why would I write a book? And he's like, well, he doesn't you know a thick Italian accent. I just thought that that was, you know, <laughs> absolutely fascinating. You know, it's like I I would just write the book. I wouldn't I would not write it, but you know, I write an outline. I would write a book. You don't need an outline I'm just like, oh my god, I'm never gonna get my book back. So Yeah, that's that's one of the ones I'm really I really cherish because again, you go into with authors, you never know what's gonna happen. You go into that snake pit. You know? so, like I don't have a lot of fine music. I had I have stuff I collect is signed by people, but I didn't get it signed. Other people got it signed. <laughs> I don't wanna risk um, you know, getting, like, getting killed or anything. So, and again, every time I think, every time I think I'm going to get somebody's autograph later on, um, you know, it's, oh, we'll be around forever. Like, you know, Frank Zappa or Joe Strummer. You know, they're not around forever. So my advice is people get the damn autograph. If you've got something, don't be afraid. Walk up. Say, you know, first of all, walk up and, and you know, most nine times out of 10, musicians, every love to sign stuff. You know, we love to meet people. I love signing stuff. I will sign anything. Um, so boom, 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 bang, thank you. You know, meet the person, say hi, and, and talk to them a lot, and that's, you know, it's cool. Um, it's because it's you're not going to get a Grammy. What you're going to get, somebody going to tell you that, you know, you helped them out in the tough spot of their life. And, and, you know, here, we'll just sign this. That's killer. It's great. It's, it's awesome. Anybody who gives you a hard time, if you go to gives them something, a sign, they give you a hard time about it, get rid of their music. Don't buy any more of their music because they're not worth listening to. They're not, you know, if they can't appreciate that and they're going to be jerks, by all means, just just chuck out whatever they have. I've never had the experience of, you know, going to meet somebody who was a hero and and them being a jerk to me. So it's just, um, you know, everybody I've always met has been cool. I've heard horror stories about people going to meet their heroes and these heroes turned out to be jerks. But these people sounded like they would be jerks in the first place. And you know, I so screw them. People should not, you know, if, if somebody's rude, let's demand an apology. Don't, don't stand there and go, oh, my God, my hero is rude to me. Punch him. Shoot him out. Don't stop it. You know what I mean? You know, five or ten rock stars with bloody noses. we're going to cut that crap. And most of them can't fight. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see 40s Danzig trying to fight that guy? Boom, he's down. He's, you know, or Kurt Cobain where he tries to... Slap fight that, that bouncer and the bouncer just cold talk But I mean, it's like I don't know. It's it, do not know a single person that can fight. Belly could probably fight. But uh he has one, one that don't look like the fight, he would probably take you. Like David Belly, especially when he was young, old, old, you know, thin and wiry, looks like he'd break if you hit him. That, that's a belly that would knock your ass out. Uh, I really, there's a lot of there's a lot of rock and roll flight stories like that. Um what was it? Um, Roger Doltery, you know, had been a, pretty much like a street fighter. And, um, so, um, oh, what's his name? The guitar player, Pete Townsend had been just, just needling him, just, you know, been riding for years. He's been a dick to him. And one day Roger just poleaxed him to so boom and, uh, put uh, him out. And they thought he killed him. They really did. He laid him out so flat that they had thought he killed him. And I think Pete Townsend was a lot nicer to Roger after that. So I think, yeah, I mean, every now and then, bands have to settle things with their fish or they have to, you know, because men aren't good at, you know, aren't good at, you know, communicating any other way. So it's like, boom, oh, you're out. And then you feel better about it or it's over.
0: I think you know? I think people would be a lot uh, less likely to be mouthy if they knew there was a punch at the end of their sentence.
1: It's like... I think they'd be a lot less likely to be dicks. I mean, you know, yeah. you, ever see the, you ever see the one, I mean, again, I'm, I'm not for hitting people, except in certain instances. There's this great footage of John Glenn, um, you know, it's Buzz Aldrin, I'm sorry, Buzz Aldrin. This guy comes up, he's giving Buzz Aldrin shit. He's one of those crazy, you know, moon landing conspiracy theories. And I always think, they were saying the moon landing was fake, but there were several moon landings. Were like all nine or ten of them fake? You know, like, <laughs> like, like what? Like they kept faking it. Oh, it's worked once. So we'll keep doing this. And so it's it's crazy to begin with. And it's really insulting to these brave men that risk their lives, you know, to go to the moon. So the guy comes up and he's talking to Buzz Aldrin, and he's like, you know, he's given and Buzz Aldrin's heard every crazy theory there is. And so he's kind of blowing him off. And the guy's like, You're a liar. And you know, Buzz Aldrin. You know, let's take a bike. But then he makes the mistake, calls him a coward. He says, You're a coward. And that is apparently Buzz Aldrin's trigger word. And Buzz Aldrin, <laughs> this guy's like 30. Buzz Aldrin's like 78 or something. Buzz Aldrin just called Cox the guy. I mean, the guy's yeah. like, the guy lifts, like, gets it right under the jaw. The guy lifts off the ground. If you ever see it, it's on the web. I can watch it over and over. I used to be meetings with it at work, I would just show it. I would just say, okay, before we start the meeting, here's Buzz Aldrin. Cold <laughs> and I'd be like, who wants to see it again? And everybody, i I got to show it. If I show it at the end of the movie, I can just watch that all day long because the guy just did the wrong thing. Again, I'm not, I'm, I'm totally against violence and, and not, but I think if you're Buzz Aldrin, you know what I mean? Like you're a space traveler. There's a little leeway there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. This is, I think that's the funniest no part. problem. I mean,
0: most I've laughed in the two years of uh, me doing this fucking show. Oh, that's
1: good. <laughs> I'm saying, if you get a chance, put that out and show people. They'll so go immediately. Google Buzz Aldrin punches a guy. <laughs> 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 again, you know, that never gets old. That never gets old. If I look at that right now on my computer, I know Buzz Aldrin punches oh, that guy. I haven't, seen, I haven't seen that in a while. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good one. It's, it's up there. It's one of my all time favorites on stuff that's you know it's on the web that people Yeah, hey, look, if you type in Buzz Aldrin, I'm not kidding, into Google, the second one is Buzz Aldrin Punch. Wow. That is awesome. Yeah, here we go. And I have it from a couple of well, this guy's name is Bart Um Sibrow, who he punch. So I could, yeah, this is really good. Well that poor bastard and, has
0: to go the rest of his life, you know. Yeah, you know, he he's getting recognized.
1: Yeah, he got co-cocked by, 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 you know, Gramps. Yeah, I got it out there right now. This, this is great nice pants suit, lady. Um, here we go. Here he goes. Boom. Yeah, it catches him on the side of the face, and the guy just staggers back. Yeah, I wish we could see more of it. And they got it sort of looped out here. Yeah. Yeah, don't ever call Buzz a coward? There's a good lesson there. Yeah, I mean, again, you don't like to, you know, I don't like to see anything happen. You ever see, like, a guy like just, you know, get in a woman's face and the woman knock him out. I love that, you know. <laughs> you know, a guy threatens a woman and winds up with a mouthful of broken teeth. <laughs> Which, you know, I do mean, know. I saw that one time in, uh, um, oh God, I saw, uh, we were in Ocean State, Maryland. Some guy yells some racist thing, you know, some black guy. And, you know, a guy just turns around, boom, takes him out. I'm like, I am totally down with that. <laughs> you know, I am, I am so bad. Because really, there's no, there's no logic that you're going to, you know, you come across somebody racist. They're, they're, you, you better hit them. <laughs> my <laughs> advice.
0: Well, Rodney, I need to uh, no. wrap it up if that's acceptable. Oh, that's okay.
1: Yeah, I gotta get. I gotta get some practice then. Yeah, I gotta get. Oh my gosh, yeah. I wanted to get some practice and I wanted to get some sleep and I, I did not. I'm so far behind on sleep and stuff that And I lost an hour over the weekend, which sucked too. So, and I was supposed to get all the stuff done on on, uh, on Sunday, but my wife taught me in the sleeping. Oh, so, all right. Well, I enjoyed this very much.
0: Uh, before we before we end, can you please uh, yep. plug where people can find? Uh, I would love it if they could plug where they can find your music, and also uh, some of the places that uh, they might seek out these bands again uh, that you've mentioned on oh, um, the show. Yeah,
1: you just go to just go to dot com. Uh, you can find our stuff. It, you know, it'll lead you to it, and everything is there. Um, bands that, um, let me just throw a couple bands at you. I should have my list up from, um, or just who's been on my show lately. Um, I just want to say Crystal System. Uh, their, their record Rage. If you like loud, fast, aggressive music and very clever, and there's, uh, um, they even have a female singer, young lady sings for them. Um, they're really, really, really good. And I can't recommend them enough. Uh, there's a, um, you think, who else of uh, IMX, who I mentioned earlier, uh, come through occasionally, uh, so, uh, Assemblage 23, fantastic, uh, Caustic, Ego Likeness, uh, Angel Spit, just, just one of these bands will lead you to another band and you'll keep, you'll go from, you know, from, from thing to thing until eventually you'll stumble across Vaderhead Fistful of Fuck You. And you want to take a break right there. Take a little <laughs> break of Heads' Fistful of Fuck You and then get back into it and then maybe check out with like, the new Dissector record, which is fantastic. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's all this great stuff. My wife is a big fan of a band called Santa Hates You. uh, have a great song called Panic have a bunch of great songs. They have a great song called Panic uh, Town. And they also did a song uh, with the gospels called Look Out, Motherfucker, I Know Karate, which is, you know, you, you need to hear that to to believe it. Um, and, of course, there's, you know, stuff out there like mindless self-indulgence, which a lot of people have heard. I really like them. Uh, there's there's, there's a, a ton of good stuff. They, say they like like, uh, sort of, you know, stuff with a sense of humor definitely check out and, and it's good check out the, my friend Caustic, uh, who's absolutely amazing so yeah there are and also um, the Go Fight record uh, which came out music from Military Torture uh, has a song on it, Pussy Grinder absolutely amazing song uh, the whole record itself is, is really really good so you'd, you would enjoy that so that's that's pretty much and that's there's a band off the top of my head so listen to a lot of music people
0: great I th- thank you very much for taking well, thank
1: time. you no yeah. problem all right
0: Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with Matt Wire. If you enjoyed the show, uh, please, if you can, I understand it's a tough world we're in right now, go to the page there on feralaudio.com. Uh, you could donate us some money, and, and we can, uh, you know, that helps us pay for equipment and recording and buying periodicals so I could read and interview guests and be smart. Uh, keeps our lights on at feralaudio.com feeds us feeds us really like the basic is we eat and uh, that's really we're the, the starving artists here if you can't uh, afford to donate I totally understand you could, there's also an anima, uh, Amazon link you can go through that you could buy some bullshit for yourself buy yourself Uncle Buck uh, buy yourself the Hannibal, Hannibal series like I mentioned at the top of the show and uh, you know we get a kickback of that money and that helps us out and you get to buy some treats and gifts for yourself follow me on Twitter Matt underscore at twitter.com Uh, Please write a review on iTunes if you can. Give it five stars. It really helps us out. Um, The more help we can get, the better. We're doing this for free. and The love of podcasting, and I do it because I love uh, the honor of talking to dudes like Rodney Anonymous. Thank you very much for listening. I love you very much. Explore the other shows on Feral Audio. I love you. Thank you.